Welcome to another episode of The Undiscovered Decade. This is our uh, series on movies from the 1990s. And uh, my three compatriots here, uh, we formed a band and decided to figure out uh, what was kind of underappreciated in the, in the decade that we were starting to grow up in. Uh, and we're up to March 1991. And we revisited the... 60s a little bit by uh, looking at a biopic as you can see over Jeff's shoulder if you're watching the YouTube uh, The Doors that's Jim Morrison over his uh, what is probably his right shoulder and uh, it was more obviously about their front man because he was an enigmatic character but uh, almost like a god you know it's it took the course of your almost typical, like a lizard king yeah it, it took the same course as uh what you would imagine from rock biopics and uh you can imagine the the nature of how the film went but uh i want to know what you guys thought about the film and we'll, we'll discuss set pieces as we go i guess um obviously val kilmer is probably the most important part of this it yeah he's a, he is a doppelganger yeah no, it's jim morrison uncanny how good he looks it's weird when the movie started i was like oh yeah no i could see how he looks like jim morrison but like when they got to the uh scene where they were doing a photo shoot and like uh that 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 scene he looked just strikingly similar to me like then then it just like really popped yeah uh but before that i was just like oh yeah no he he looks like him but then uh after that scene i was like oh wow like basically spitting image because like some like some of the shots like they look like the iconic uh, like photos that you would see of Jim Morrison. Yeah, he uh, looked so much like it that when I was growing up, I thought that it was a documentary. Yeah, and I'm I, wondering... for a while. I thought that Bell Kilmer was actually <laughs> the lead singer of the Doors. That's so funny. It's where he has a weird track record of like almost immersing himself in uh, um, biopics like this because he looks a lot like Doc Holliday. Mm-hmm. Stone, and then as John Holmes in Wonderland, so he must like he's like yeah, a, that Mark not too hard too much on the Lizard King stuff, but he's almost a chameleon like that. Yeah. Isn't it also funny that like in real life Val Kilmer, Val Kilmer put on like a lot of weight, like Jim Morrison did. Well, that's but, a different situation. Yeah, but like it's like a weird mirror. Yeah. Um, it's Black Mirror. <laughs> Yeah, I, I know there was one trivia piece that uh, apparently one of their managers saw him down the street or one of their good friends, one of the good friends of the Doors saw him and thought, wow, I didn't know John Jim was that tall. <laughs> you know? Oh, there you go. There's a good yeah, side you, by side. You look at their lips, their eyes. He, he apparently spent like a year just being Jim Morrison so that he could try just to... Staring at the mirror. God, he must have been insufferable to be around then. Jim Morrison. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Um, well, but yeah, it's insufferable to be around anyway. Yeah, so here, I mean, if he, like, it's weird because, like, if he wasn't portraying a character that was on acid all the time, I would have thought he was probably autistic. Yeah, well, that's funny. Just um, the way he was acting. Ma. The the one thing I wonder though is, like Jeff said, thinking that Val Kilmer was actually the front man of the Doors, is he the image we have of Doc Holliday, of Jim Morrison, of John Holmes? Like, I don't know what John Holmes or or Mark Twain too. Yeah, just based on that stage play that he did of Mark Twain, the one man. Like play. I said, yeah. I mean, it's Mark Twain's iconic, I guess, more so than Doc Holliday. But like this image of Jim Morrison is mostly the one that people know of. So yeah. if anyone thinks of the voice, I mean, 
apparently it was on close-ups that Val Kilmer was singing. And then far away, like the concert shots, they dubbed in a little bit just to yeah. make, and, and make sure it was spot on. But yeah. uh, his performance is incredible. Oh, yeah. Um, I, yeah. Yeah. Immersing himself for years. Worth it to me, I think. Yeah, the also, like, I would never expect Meg Ryan to be in a role like she was in this movie. Yeah. Like, I, she's always been like a, you know, uh, the, She's the girl next door. You know, yeah, the girl next door almost. I mean, three and like being, I was, like, I was yeah, expecting like Tom junk. Hanks to pop out as like a oh, manager. Yeah. Or yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, three years earlier, she done when Harry met Sally. Yeah. Which we watched earlier this summer. True, so, but like, like the only totally different. The only time that I've seen her like do something like out of like character for her or like what she portrays isn't really seeing her. It was her voice in um, uh, Sinbad. I was gonna say um, "Courage Under Fire." She played. She played the uh, the evil goddess. Huh. Yeah. Huh. Of course, it was a voice, but like, that. still, like, that's the only other time where, like, if like she was like out of like what I perceive her norm. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because looking back on their meet cute, where he climbs up uh, a tree and kisses her in a window, it's something that would have been like a quirky thing in a Cameron Crowe movie. <laughs> But in this, it's just part of his his manic whimsy. Yeah. He just wanders out of the beach and picks a house and suddenly he's with Meg Ryan. Also, yeah, like, like, hey, like he's almost defined by his free-spiritedness yeah. and it's encapsulated one, in that moment. Man. Yeah. Though I don't love the line where she's like, you don't like doors? <laughs> and oh, like, yeah. No, I don't believe in them. Let's just gonna shoehorn that in there. Yeah. All right, Oliver. <laughs> Uh, they did a better job of downplaying the uh, Eureka moment with uh, Light My Fire. Yes, that's yeah. a great scene. That's apparently actually how it happened. I mean, Robbie Krieger, um, th the guys behind him wanted to make sure they had a little bit of consultancy. Uh, Ray Van Zarek did not. I want to get into that later. Um, but Robbie Krieger wanted to make sure that they pointed out, like, it wasn't just Jim writing stuff. And, and the best line, I think, is when he's like, yeah, I just wanted it to have something like snakes and and fire like you would like <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah uh and it's cool to hear it like in a different pitch so at first jim morrison almost seems dismissive of the song <laughs> yeah yeah like, no, like, even brought it, it up like, no, yeah 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 no i i dig it <laughs> i love those those origin scenes where you're just like this thing that's been ubiquitous for decades and all of a sudden you're like oh that's why it exists yeah you know, those I do like boys are great. And the next thing they do, Manzarek's like, go, go away for 20 minutes, I'll figure it out. And he comes up with like that massive Bach intro, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's great. And I mean, then also, um, in his youth, uh, Riders of the Storm is playing, and mm -hmm. it's a perfect song to accompany that because you see that tornado in the distance and you see the um, that ailing uh, Indian on the ground. Mm -hmm. Um, interesting with that is that uh, it's the songs are playing pretty much throughout the movie, even if it's just the instrumentals of the songs, because there's a lot of breaks within their music. And so it almost becomes like it's just the music in his head right. rolling all the time, you well, know. Yeah, but, yeah. So this second watch, it got me to enjoy the music even more. Yeah. And I'm already a fan of the doors, but you know, I appreciated right. that. See, that was the thing, was I was never really um 
I don't know. I'm terrible with music, as we've discussed on this podcast before. So there were a lot of songs that played, and I was like, oh, that was The Doors? Um, yeah. But, you know, I, I totally agree how it was just like the continuous playlist of just the mu- the music happening in his head the whole time and the way that um you know oliver stone put the whole thing together as just it felt like a continuous acid trip throughout the entire movie i know i know your um it was great though. ratio for your for your film was a little off right i don't know if that got fixed. uh yeah well no, that was because i was trying to watch a dvd on a 4k machine there was just like, oh, okay there was it was the so, thing so but, we learned that that doesn't work well, um it was just I haven't watched physical media in a while. So I'm like, oh, man. Um, but it was, I, I don't know if it worked for you, obviously. Probably did. The, the colors got more and more orange as they went on. Right. You can yeah, yeah. see no, the that photo you have there. That so, definitely happened. Yeah, so I guess that's like the burnout of acid in a way. Some Something we got to point out is Robert Richardson's cinematography in this mm-hmm. is yes. so vibrant. And it's probably, the, I've never done drugs, but it feels like the closest approximation I could have vicariously doing drugs. Maybe Jimmy could give us some insight on it. I mean, I didn't uh, just look at him. I wanted to see what- Yeah, we way, way to put me on the spot, guys. <laughs> uh, I mean, I've, I've never done acid, but uh, I've done shrooms. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's, I guess it's comparable. From what I've heard, this is what it's right. like. So- but that scene when they're on the vision quest in the desert, phenomenal yeah, scene. Best scene in the movie. That's definitely what asked is like that vision quest. <laughs> Wait, did they have a babysitter? Uh, I did... think I think the girlfriends were. I don't, I don't think know, they were. I think they were no. on acid too. I think they yeah. went out in the desert without a babysitter. So there's like, that one it was the sixties. And they're like, oh right, the girls are here. No, the which baby- is funny because that, that scene could have gone bad so easily yes. in real life. Yes, the babysitter was the imaginary shaman in the distance. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, that scene is spoofed in uh, Wayne's World too. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, it is. Oh good, I'm holy gonna... crap! I You're haven't right. seen that one yet, so uh, I gotta get around to it. I completely but... wow. Isn't Kyle McLaughlin in one of them? Or am I thinking of? I'm thinking of Rob. You think of Rob Lowe? Yeah, back when I was a kid, I mixed them up a little bit. Because I didn't really know who they were, and like they're both like pretty TV actors, so pretty boys. I don't know. You know what's strange about this is I would have you would never think that this would be a, a project that would attract Oliver Stone because he's more into political dramas. Mm-hmm. But apparently, he heard the Doors for the first time in 1967 when he was in Vietnam, so it kind of dates back to his Vietnam era. Everything's right. kind of defined. His whole career is defined by that Vietnam experience. Yeah. The one fun fact that I always wanted to point out was, uh, or at least for this, I, I wanted to, was that um, a, according to Oliver Stone, he had given uh, a script to him of an early draft of Platoon and wanted Jim Morrison to possibly be the part that Charlie Sheen eventually played, that private that's going through everything. Mm, and wow. uh, according to Oliver, that he heard that the script was there in the uh, Paris apartment where he died. So oh, wow. at the very least, he got the script returned to him when he started this film. So, <laughs> so it could have been interesting if Jim survived, he might have become an actor, you know, 
Manzarek wanted to be a director, so I mean, maybe, he, maybe they would have gotten more like, into film. In this movie, he was saying, let's make a movie maybe in black and white. Yeah. Like, he was going on about that. Like, he, he went to UCLA at first. Yeah. He had experimental films, and people just didn't like it. So I mean, it was a little... The most pretentious. Oh, in this it was, yeah. Oh, I was, I was, you know, I was having some hardcore flashbacks when that happened. Yeah. I was yeah. like, maybe I should have just, you know, dropped everything and started singing black oh, music. He gets one bit of criticism and he goes, I'm dropping out, I'm leaving. You know who that uh, professor was, though? Oliver Stone. Yeah. So, not a bad, uh, not a bad cameo. Yeah. yeah. I didn't realize it was him the first time. When I looked up all the cameos, I was surprised. Huh. I mean, there's a ton of people. I'm surprised this. I didn't catch that. Yeah. Like, we, yeah. We, got, we got the box set with his face on it right in front of the Well, door. he's wearing a goatee in the scene. Yeah. And I pointed out another guy that I was like, that looks like Francis Ford Coppola. I wonder if he put him in because they're kind of friends, you know. But I, I think it was just film types. So I don't think yeah. Francis Ford Coppola does cameos. Well, no, I didn't think it was actually him. I thought it was a guy being him in 1967. Right. You know, one of the uh, most interesting cameos, which uh, certainly surprised Jimmy. He's like, wait, is that? uh was andy warhol as played by christian glover oh yeah uh infamously just not like, bill Hader in this one yeah no like i saw his face i'm like hold up hold up is this yeah. that the dad from back to the future it's kind of perfect honestly. yeah i like he he look he like he, he looks pretty damn close to andy warhol yeah, which yeah. is like i like i was like saw him like yeah no that checks out that really does if anyone is, is familiar with Crispin Glover's current career, he basically is like a modern day Andy Warhol. Like right. he's fucking off his rocker. Yeah, yeah I've, seen, I've seen some of those movies that he's directed. Yeah. God. The, the What Is It trilogy? Yes. Yeah. With the, uh, the people with uh, mental disabilities, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's mm -hmm. a trip. Yeah. So he kind of has his own mobile factory in a way because he goes around screening them yeah uh but he was good too and i apparently that golden phone thing actually happened yeah i remember i remember hearing that a long time ago uh, either in like people. teenage years or college years about that happening so yeah. like when that when that came up in the movie i was like oh, oh yeah oh yeah. Yeah, yeah so um jennifer tilly had a cameo did she i missed that one yeah where was she uh okie girl there were a couple other people that were in concerts. Actually, the band themselves were uh, popping up. Mm. Uh, um, I don't know if you, well, you might not have noticed because you don't know what they like looked like in real life. And we had just seen Frank Whaley playing Robbie Krieger, but Krieger walks behind them in the uh, Whiskey A Go-Go scene when they're being offered, like Jim's being stepped away and uh, told you should just be solo. Krieger in real life walks in between Morrison mm. and Whaley as Krieger. Oh. Um, and the, the second guy that's like, you should listen to him. He knows what he's talking about and then walks away. He's kind of had crazy hair. That's their first manager, the guy played by Michael Wincott, the guy from the crowd. Really? That's like the oh, real yeah, manager. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. like yeah. And then the next scene is Michael Wincott as him, like, you, you we're gonna sign you. So yeah. So it was like a little bit of foreshadowing if you yeah. knew what he looked like. Yeah, which I didn't at the time. Just looking this up, I was like, so oh, like if you if you were up the age to have been around the doors <laughs> and like recognize faces, like you were like, yeah. hey, and yeah. then and then the actor um, portraying him shows up like a scene later. And then John Densmore, the drummer, who's uh, played by Kevin Dillon, the one Jeff's kind of blocking right now. Um, he is Johnny Drama. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. Um, he's 
he's the studio recorder for Jim's late poetry readings where he's like, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. Yeah. Well, it kind of came off as like almost like a vaguely like Hamlet-esque monologue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. During those scenes. Yeah. I liked his shirt with the 66. Oh, yeah. That's cool. Um, Manzarek did not participate, like I mentioned earlier. He was not a fan of the script. So he uh, he does not make a cameo. But um, at the time, Krieger and, and Densmore were fine with everything. But they've since, as well as Patricia Keneally, who uh, is the reporter that he ends up sleeping with, she was not a fan of her portrayal. Apparently, it's kind of an amalgam of different girlfriends. Yeah, this is a thing that I found. I love this. Um, Corey, Corey's looking a little confused uh, or bemused, maybe. That no, because I'm I'm confused by it because she was <laughs> she has a cameo in it. I know this is this is what I was leaning into. She is the person that actually marries the in movie Canale and Jim in in the strange Celtic yeah, so ceremony. She, she, yeah, she's yeah. a weird pagan. Uh, she's pagan, the priestess. Uh, she's yeah. in it. She she and Densmore were actual consultants for what happened and later they're like we don't know what Oliver was thinking so like they dismissed it later and they made it like this is Oliver's version of the truth and you're like I I don't know what to think about that because I mean I, I watched a whole YouTube video on what is accurate in the movie and in real life and a, a bit of it was like well, this wasn't actually said. And you're like, okay, quotes don't need to be exactly perfect in historical right. films, right? But yeah. he's like, if you even look at the details of the concerts, that's not what Jim was wearing and stuff like that. But like, I, under, I understand like an amalgam of people. Like Patricia Canale isn't just one of the many partners that Jim Morrison had. Apparently Meg Ryan's, um, see, there's the name I forgot her her uh real pamela life. yeah pamela um corson i think yeah uh, she had a bunch of different lovers too like we we do see one played by um who was that that was costas mandalore yes um that was just an example both of them were examples of the different partners they had to to crunch something into two hours and encapsulate a whole period of people's lives it's a different thing than like lincoln where you're just taking a few months to to exemplify the character you know right so it's kind of a tough thing to to weave a thread through so yeah i mean you see that in a lot of uh war movies when you talk to the original stories uh the original soldiers that those movies are portraying they'll say like they won't they're like yeah the movie's fine i know they're they got uh so much like they're aware of it so they're like yeah no we know it's like a exaggeration of this that and or or like uh trying to you know save as much time as they can so like soldiers understand yeah i mean even with uh oliver Stone's platoon he's the iconic image of willem dafoe raising his arms is based on an infamous photo so you're you're pulling from things in historical memory but uh, it's understandable people like raymond zarek would would take a front to it because it's their life i i mean if i wasn't making my own film i would be upset i guess i mean uh, he's also like a rock star so like there's a bit a yeah. bit more ego involved. i don't want to dismiss them but yeah. like the fact is robbie krieger and john densmore helped make the film so it's weird that they dismissed it later so maybe in editing it changed a lot of what they expected but it's the same way with uh, i heard jake lamotta hated 
Raging Bull, but he cooperated with it the whole time. Yeah. So it's it's the thing is when you're filming, a lot goes into it that you don't expect to change. Right. So maybe the order of things, maybe it's the way it looks. I don't know. Or certain details. Yeah. That maybe you weren't around to consult on. Yeah, like no one was there in Paris when Jim Morrison died, but um, apparently, um, Corson's family wanted to make sure it didn't look like anything happened, like a uh, Kurt Cobain situation, so that she wasn't in every in the public's eye, like may have murdered Jim, right. because no one else was there. She finds the body in real life, and yeah. and no one knows how he actually died. They just kind of assume drug overdose, but were Feeling they doing the... drugs together? And then she it well, got the, out of hand. It the end of the movie, it says heart failure, right? Allegedly, right. But, so we don't know and he did so much al- he drank so much alcohol and and we can't we can't just assume things and it's just you know whatever the tragedy is it's disappointing um the thing i want to say about that though is like that's the worry about the image like we see jim morrison as val kilmer now you know so how far did they go to make his image kind of like an asshole to Pam, an asshole to his friends. Every one of his friends are like, this isn't the gym we knew. He was a nice guy. He just drank sometimes. And it's like, maybe you had rose-colored glasses on, but maybe he wasn't as bad. And this is just dramatic, more so than his real life. You know, he takes liberties so that it's an interesting film. Right. So that's the thing I wanted to talk about with biopics. Like, it's tough to make something that just happened as interesting as... You can. I was going to say, if we watch Bohemian Rhapsody and they never broke up, would that be dramatic? Right. As that far as we knew, they had a great relationship for the most part. Yeah, yeah they, they were not broken up before Band-Aid. He, he knew, I, I think the whole band knew he was sick already. Right, and, and they toured for years after that. Right. Yeah. Well, well, you yeah, know, they you got to take some that. sort of artistic license because he's, at the end of the day, he's a filmmaker making a movie about it yeah you know maybe he was taking a taking a couple pages out of morrison's playbook with all of his experimental shit back at ucla that's funny yeah and oliver stone's just like you know i think you would have liked this i would like to think so not just because it's stroking his ego into a book i was gonna say natural born killers looks more like a jim morrison movie than anything right really yeah that's just the the experimental stuff yeah hmm i can't i still want to watch it even though i know you say you hate it it's horrible yeah um i i for one still enjoy what happens here i think it's one of the best biopics i've ever seen mm-hmm. i would um, agree with that yeah i don't know if it's just biased because i love the doors but it was just so great to like see the whole band and everything and having already been a fan of tombstone i loved val kilmer so just seeing him as someone he looked like you know yeah perfect casting that was the thing because i i was never really like uh a fan of the doors i am now now that i know really i necessarily know the story oh, but wow. like contextually i was just, just made you like the doors i was huh. yeah well yeah hmm. because i don't know for some reason like 60s and 70s music just did not vibe with me for a while and now i guess I with mean, experience in life now i'm like oh yeah i get it now okay yeah. it's funny he says that because uh now i know the the origin not only behind the name of the doors right yeah that that was the other thing and then but also um i think it he like he said it contextualizes like kind of i always saw their lyrics as very stream of consciousness 
but now I can see where it's coming from. Mm. I can see the wellspring of the thought process that's coming from. And it's a yeah. lot of it's drug addled. Yeah. A lot of it's a uh, flower power era, like aphorisms, yeah. but I can see um, the entire landscape that it came from. Yeah, no, like, uh, I, I mean, I wasn't really uh, surprised with their, where the lyrics came from because, like, I uh, I enjoy history. So, like, knowing what the period was like, it's like, it like, okay, yeah, no, it makes sense. Like, I knew he, uh, I knew he was doing drugs, so, before seeing the movie, and I knew he died of an overdose or a heart failure. Like, I right. was aware of that. So, like, it was like, it all made sense, but, like, uh, I just really dig period pieces. Hmm. So, like, seeing, like, the... the a movie happening historically and it's like you know it's a band biopic but then like you're also bumping into like a bunch of celebrities of the time it's just like this is neat this is fun yeah i like the factory stuff it's like a, it's like a time traveling field trip yeah mm. um a regular rock biopic with the frizz no way <laughs> <laughs> i guess i don't know i I was glad it didn't feel like a Cliff Notes version yeah. of The yeah. Doors, where it was just like, because they could have easily done that, where it was just a series of events and incidents that were landmarks in The Doors career, like the uh, the part where he exposed himself on stage. That could have been just mm -hmm. another example of Jim being an asshole. Mm -hmm. But within the thread of the movie, it made sense, his behavior yeah. and the fallout that happens afterwards. Yeah. Like it was a tipping point. The order is key, I think, in this. Obviously, yeah. some of the events happened that way, but I mean, order and then it goes out of order. And... Yeah, well, I the thing is, I don't think Oliver Stone uh, abbreviates anything. So, yeah. like, the movie's two and a half hours long, which yeah is very long by film standards. But so, pretty but, you know, you for Oliver Stone standards. Yeah, no, like <laughs> uh, when uh, when Tristan was like getting us uh, to watch it, he was like, Jim. You, you have two options. We could like watch half late, like we could split it up, like uh, watch part of it now and part of it later or watch the whole thing. I'm like, we're going to watch the whole thing all the way through from beginning to end. Yeah. Like, I'm not, I'm not splitting this up. Yeah. Like, I know I'm going to like this movie. So we're, we're, we're sitting down and watching it. Yeah. Yeah. This is definitely the longest one I think we've done. So can't think of was this Criterion or? No. No, it's not that beloved. That's the thing. This is kind of a hidden gem. Really? Yeah. Especially, especially looking at the budget. Doors movie. Ah, see? Yeah. I figured it would have yeah, been. Yeah, like looking at the budget compared to what it grossed. Yeah, it was what? 30... 32 cost. Made okay. 37. Okay, I switched mm. them. Yeah, barely yeah. made anything back. So um it did all right though it came in second that week and the thing was silence of the lambs was dominating the box office for a month yeah. or three i think i think from february through may it was the top movie so it's kind of tough to yeah. say that Sil it was the top, top that week at least for Sil other movies silence of the lambs is a good movie i i enjoyed it at the age of nine mm -hmm. i was like this is a good movie that makes sense when he's like he is. <laughs> um, yeah there's there's a lot that, now that's putting context to there. something yeah <laughs> buffalo jim buffalo jim no he does have lotion in his room i've seen it 
Were you freaked out every time they would say Jim in the film? Like, did you think they were talking to you? No, dude. Like, seriously, there's so many. I've come across so many Jims in my life. Or watching the movie. Jim was like, or James was like one of the more common names in the like Western world. So like, I'm used to it. Like, (laughs) like I know when somebody's talking about another Jim, I'm just like, okay. Well, it's like my my thing now is the the big. joke name like when they're just naming a random like asshole in the background it's always jeff now I'm like, really right is. come on really come on jeff, jeff is the asshole now jeff who lives at home yep right, exactly great movie <laughs> it, it was yeah um well like you were saying i think i think into the background here yeah. i think jeff and i related a lot to raymond's error uh i don't know if that's a tribute to kyle mclaughlin's performance but Maybe it's because he also went to film school, uh, but I think we both liked the steady hand that was um, trying to keep Jim off or on the rails. You know, um, I think back to the last time they all see each other. There's two shots that uh, stand out to me. One where Jim passes out at uh, Ray's daughter's birthday party, and he's reaching in to like, "Come on, Jim, you got to make your your car. You got to take the flight." And he's like shrouded in white. It's almost like God coming to say it's time to come home. And then there's another shot before the party starts where they're all talking about how like, yeah, we'll see you when you get back from Paris. And Jim's given them a gift of his poetry book. And Ray is standing in the background smoking a joint or a cigarette. We don't know, probably drunk, but. Um, and in the foreground, Jim is drinking a bottle of liquor. So it's like the two dynamics, their clothes are white and black. So I, I just thought that was really cool. They are the two opposing forces that made sure the doors even happened. Like so, yin and yang. Yeah, exactly. So I think I think it's also biased because I love Twin Peaks and, and all the other stuff that Kyle Lachlan's done. But this is actually the first thing I saw him in uh, 15 years ago. So this is maybe why I do like Kyle McLaughlin. I blew Jimmy's mind a little bit by pointing out that it was uh, that Frank Whaley, the guy who's playing Robert Krieger is the, the flock of seagulls. Well, not the flock of seagulls guy, but the guy in the scene with the flock of seagulls guy in Pulp Fiction. I forget the character's yeah. name, but he's the. Um, Brett. Yeah. So. This is a tasty the big brain on bread. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, so that was cool to see Frank Whaley. I didn't realize he's kind of. Um, we're going to talk about him in a different movie that came out this month as well. Yeah, he, he was having a little bit of a moment. He didn't really make it after Pulp Fiction because he was playing smaller parts. But this is one of the biggest roles he has. Swimming with Sharks is maybe the only one after. That was the first one I saw him in. But he, he was in a couple of Oliver Stone films. He's in Born on the Fourth of July. He's in um, another movie with Kevin Dillon after this, uh, another war film. But he never really hits big. Uh, he does Swing Kids. That's the one I was going to point out to you. Oh, God. We were talking about Swing Kids, and uh, it was funny because we were talking about it during the doors, and I didn't even realize he's the one that's kind of the one that turns. Uh, so, let's talk about Newsies while you watch it as well. Do you not like Do you not like Swing Kids? I like Robert Sean Leonard. Or is he in Newsies? No, that's that's what it is. It's him and Whaley. Okay, Whale. all right. I wasn't sure. I think, I think Whaley's even better than that. He doesn't get much to do here. Just looks like Hyde from that 70 chef. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I've grown to appreciate Kevin Dillon. I know, uh, Jeff, you said Johnny Drama, but mm. his early days, he's 
maybe my favorite part from Platoon. He's no. he's scary in that. He's then, good in the blob, Marie Mink. In this, he had a blob. Honestly, I'm pretty sure this is the first Oliver Stone movie I've actually watched. Which, yeah. like, I like to blow my mind. I've seen a lot of his stuff, like, you know, just bits and pieces of it over the years. But as far as actual movies, from beginning to end, yeah, this is wow. Were you there when we watched Wall Street at Mike's? No. Okay. I've yeah. never seen either of the Wall Streets. Hmm. Um, no JFK? No. Well, that's the thing we were going to, we're not going to cover that, but we're obviously going to talk about it when it comes to December this year. So that, that's the other thing. He liked to do, at least at the beginning of his career, two movies at a time. He did, well, he did Salvador and it just took a while to come out. And then he did Platoon later that year. So it seems like he was working quickly on both of those. But same thing happened here where he was a passion project and then a major motion picture that gets best picture nominations, lots of money. So it's kind of like Spielberg when he do his lesser film and his big blockbuster for for a time. Um, I have not seen JFK, so I don't know. What, what do you think comparing the two? Comparing this to JFK? Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, JFK is much more obviously speculative mm. and theoretical because it's all about the conspiracy theories like this but weirdly enough it's a it's a little more pragmatic than you would think given that subject matter hmm. i think you'll like it a lot yeah no, i you're gonna watch that because i oh, love yeah. um because it's all about the assassination it's not about obviously it's not about jfk himself right yeah that much i knew yeah it's ironic I've, i think for jfk i've only seen the first 30 minutes hmm yeah, but then I like I guess I had to go somewhere, so I had to cut it short and like uh leave. Mm. So I never I obviously never finished the movie if I've only seen the first 30 minutes. Mm. Did you like those 30 minutes? I mean it, cu- it caught my attention. Yeah. Hmm. As this a Joe Pesci completist, you have to see it. Oh, he's mm. in that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he is. Yeah. There's a Jack lot of he's Jack Ruby in it, right? He's Jack really? Ruby. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good yeah. casting. Um, I I missed I was mistaken. I did see W. Oh I love W. Oh I haven't seen that one. I have it. We should we should get into that. Yeah. Yeah. I've been going through Oliver Stone's filmography from start to finish, at least when the pandemic started. I own that box set you got. Yeah. Oh yeah. I remember I've been staring at that box set for ever since you moved in, I think. Yeah. Just sitting there in front of our TV. This has everything from Salvador to uh any given Sunday, and it has a preview of Alexander because it was about to come out in 2000. Yikes. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. You're I right. mean, this is the time to look at Oliver Stone. After Alexander, it gets a little wonky. W is probably the best thing from his 2000s. But yeah. I don't know. What was that weird one with uh, Selma Hayek? Is it Selma Hayek? Or... Oh, Savages? Yeah, Savages. I, mean, I liked it, but it makes a sequel to Wall Street. He did the Snowden one, too. Oh, that was that wasn't bad. That was okay. Though I I think I just like John, Joseph Gordon Levitt. Yeah. yeah. He's he's good in it. And there was a, a cool thing they did when that came out where they had a talk with Oliver Stone and got Snowden. That's right. We saw in. that. Yeah. We yeah. The yeah. sneak preview that we saw. They did yeah. that. Um, but yeah, I'd recommend this. This is if you're a fan of like auteur directors. Yeah. Good collection. You turn on there? 
Yeah, everything. Salvador, Platoon, Wall Street, Talk Radio, Born on the Fourth of July, uh, The Doors, JFK, Heaven and Earth, uh, Natural Born Killers, Nixon, which I've heard is one of the best, another great pick with Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, uh, U-turn, which I've always wanted to see, and any, any given Sunday, which is one of the biggest Al Pacino films I've just never got around to seeing. Oh, that's great. That. And as a football fan, you know, supposed to be. Long. Yeah, that's that's mostly why I never saw any of these because his movies are like the same length as Doors, two and a half hours. So I think that one's almost like two forty. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, nobody got time for that. Yeah. Speaking of time, TikTok. What? Jeez. Yeah, I bet Oliver Stone loves TikTok. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe he has one. Maybe yeah. it's a guilty pleasure of his. Yeah. <laughs> I know Martin Scorsese's been on there with his daughter. Um. Well, speaking of time, it's not cinema. I know that. Speaking of time, uh, I was thinking we we move on. I guess I don't know if there's any other thoughts you guys have about. The door. Do I give grades? Yeah. I go A minus on it. I definitely go A. Yeah, but I mean, to me, I, I love the doors themselves. So it's mm. great uh, watching them. A plus for me. Yeah. I get yeah, it. I like it. It was, it literally made me more interested in their music. So that's, that's, that's what the best biopics do. Yeah, that's Oliver Stone's job, I guess. To make, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I just I love biopics, and this one was very well done. So, yeah, solid A. Oh, I will. There was one other thing I wanted to say about it because I, I wanted the, the reason I'm a fan of the Doors is my father. It's maybe his favorite band. I know mm-hmm. I've asked me. He's, he's said a number of others, but yeah, I know. Yeah, I, nice. Um, he actually saw them at their Madison Square Garden performance, the one they go up to New York for. Uh, I think it's it's not the one that Canale is at, but like right before they give the press conference, they're in New York. Mm-hmm. And he's he's actually not like falling off the stage. So, but the interesting thing is he, um, they opened for Jim, or no, I think Jimi Hendrix opened for them. I forget which one it was. Mm-hmm. It was like the Jimi Hendrix experience and the doors together. My dad got to see that at the, the Velvet Room at Madison Square Garden, of all things. And watching this, I'm looking at the dates. I'm like, wait a second. How old were you? He saw them at 16. Jesus. So, <laughs> I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. And that pretty much tells you everything you want to know about my father. So <laughs> it's uh Danny hates ET. It was formative for him. I know one of the first memories I have was he was like, I remember where I was the day he died, you know, like, oh, wow. like with friends and we all got together and listened to records and stuff. It was, you know, that was huge. So, yeah. Um, but he made, he got really me to cool. appreciate the, the band. So, yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Wish my dad uh, was into the doors. Or was he uh, get show tunes? Oh, oh, he was Hermits, Hermits, tunes and Christmas music. Yeah, <laughs> those were my formative years, but anyway, I digress. Friends of the Beach Boys, I guess. No, I... <laughs> whoa, 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 actually, no, I, I had uh, they might be giants. That was oh, uh, that's not bad. 
they're very uh i want to see that they might be giants biopic yeah istanbul not constantinople is the title right (laughs) and then you just got particle man playing for two hours (laughs) (laughs) yeah so what other films (laughs) i did not know Uh, anymore (laughs) uh yeah um we're done here disney distributed a norwegian um uh movie uh, Swashbuckler with uh, Gabriel Byrne called uh, Shipwrecked. Has mm. anybody heard about it? It's on Disney Plus, actually. I feel like I've heard of it, but only in passing. Just like num- like a list of pirate movies, you know? I heard it was pretty good. Um, it just seems like it's weird because it wasn't produced in-house. Mm. It's just something yeah. that I kind of slapped a label on. But, yeah, uh, I didn't even realize it was Disney. Yeah, it's about a cabin boy who finds out that his <laughs> shipmates are all pirates. But the only recognizable name in the cast is Gabriel Byrne. It's very Treasure Island because uh, Jim Hawkins just right. keeps seeing the pirates come to his inn. And then he's it's, like, it, can I go with you? And they're like, yeah, but we're pirates. <laughs> yeah, it's based on a Scandinavian novel. But uh, yeah, I thought it was going to be Robert Louis Stevenson and myself. But yeah. Hmm. Um, then there was um, My Heroes Have Always Been Cowboys, which is actually the last film for uh, Stuart Rosenberg. The guy who directed uh, Cool Hand Luke, which oh. Tristan might be watching soon. Yeah, I just uh, did. The, La- the Laughing Policeman, uh, Drowning Pool, and Amityville Horror. Okay. Um, so I heard it's decent. Huh. Uh, the Hard Way. Yeah. What's that? What's that about? Yeah. Uh, Scott Glenn plays a, a rodeo star who gets a uh, career ending injury, but he has mm-hmm. to go back in when his, uh, his father's. Uh, leg on his last legs so he's got one make one more go of it okay uh never saw it though yeah so i can't really vouch for its quality Uh, the hard way buddy action comedy with james woods and michael j fox who plays a hollywood star who wants to moonlight with a policeman in order to uh immerse himself in that world because he's going to portray a cop in his upcoming movie one of my favorite things very of, sly and funny uh when they when they had james woods come on to the simpsons he shadows a poo to immerse himself right in a quickie mart employee and it was making fun of this and ever since then i've wanted to see the film and full confession i started watching it and i texted jimmy as i started i'm like did you want to see this and he got back to me 20 minutes in. So I may have seen the initial car chase, but really, we're going to watch this like watch. after we finish recording. So by the time this episode comes out, we'll have seen this, but nice. I already assume we're going to love it. Yeah. Hey, bud. And early role for Stephen Lang as the villain. Yeah, he's great. The party crasher. Um, La Femme Nikita, which... Um, is a French film about a, uh, an, a female assassin. I believe she has amnesia. It's a Luc Besson movie. I think it's one of his first. Yeah, that's um, right. Yeah, it's um, maybe his. I think he did one other film before this. He did. I think it was called Subway. I could be yeah. wrong. Yeah, and it launched a franchise in a way. It did. It was uh, there was a TV place. show. Uh, there was a TV show with uh, her name escapes me, but she was in League yeah. of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah, and, I want uh, to see Natasha Henstridge, but it's not, right? No. Uh, there was a remake with Bridget Fonda called Point of No Return, which actually oh, 
Weirdly enough, directed by John Badham, who directed The Hard Way. Huh. Yeah. Huh. And then there was uh, the other reboot TV show with Maggie Q, which I actually watched yes. a bit of, enjoyed quite a bit. It was uh, a pretty good reboot. All of them. We, my parents and I watched a few episodes of the original show who's with that woman whose name escapes us, but right. uh, they're both good shows. I've never yeah. seen the two movies. <laughs> Neither have I. Um, New Jack City came out, which is Mario Van Peoples' social commentary on the drug crisis in New York. I don't know if people remember this, but when we did King of New York, I mentioned David Caruso got Wesley Snipes to come in with him because they were friends. Right. And right after that, their careers went skyrocketed because Caruso goes on to NYPD Blue later in 91. And this is Wesley Snipes launching pad that, right. that got him to the zeitgeist. So I'd be curious to see what you guys think of it. I always thought it was a little too flashy with style of your substance, but maybe you'll like it more than I did. Hmm. Um, it's trying a little too hard to be hip. Is it worth it uh, as someone that wants to get more into Wesley Snipes and has unfortunately only seen like him in New York? Honestly, yeah. I mean, it's a great early role for him. He, uh, you can see why he became like, he went on a meteoric rise after this. The whole movie surrounds him. He plays Nico Brown. So he, he uses all of his charisma at his disposal because he plays a, a drug dealer who is also a philanthropist. So he's not necessarily a complete bad guy. So he's also no, nuanced. It's kind of taking the uh, Christopher Walken character one step further. Yeah. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah. Huh. That's I cool. Like that. I like that movie a lot better. I know Jeff doesn't want you. Um, it was Jen. <laughs> uh, class Action came out, which is, uh, I guess it's a Gene Hackman movie that not a lot of people talk about. It's him and Mary, Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio. There you go. You got it. Okay. Um, they play like an estranged father and daughter uh, lawyers who um, have to go against each other in this opposing court case. And uh, actually, it's really good. It's a it's a really good um, two hander between the two of them. Very incisive. Uh, Guilty by suspicion which is uh, about the, the red hunt for communism in Hollywood, starring uh, Robert De Niro. And one of the few movies that Erwin Winkler directed, he's usually a producer on stuff like Rocky. Hmm. And actually, Martin Scorsese has a cameo in this. Really? Yeah. That's funny, because it's a De Niro film. It's, where, it's a very didactic movie. I, I, I mean, if you read about the time period, you know enough about it. You don't necessarily need to see this movie. And if you want to see a better movie about this, I recommend you see um, the front with Woody Allen. Hmm. Uh, it I'm looks good. Reds. <laughs> oh well, that well, kind of. Hmm. It's not quite about that. Um, it looks could kill, which was supposed to be the start of Richard Grieco's film career. If anybody remembers him from Twenty One Jump Street, it's kind of a Bond parody. Mm-hmm. I've never seen it. It's kind of lapsed in public memory. Uh, the weird thing is it was written by uh, Darren Starr, who I think was the creator of Sex and the City. Really? Yeah. Could have been interesting. He could have been a Ryan Murphy of the 90s. Yeah. Mm. Um, one thing I do remember about this is 
one of the few defenders of the movie was Roger Ebert. Really liked the movie. Just like Richard Greco. Yeah. I guess he swooned over him. Yeah. That, that, that's the uh, baby boy. The perfect weapon came out, which was an attempt to make Jeff Speakman, who uh, is a martial artist who who uses Kempo, which is stick fighting. They tried to make him into the next Van Damme. Didn't stick work fighting, out too well. Does anybody know? Does anybody remember the name Jeff Speakman now? No, but no. you know who else uses sticks to fight? Donatello. That was the next one I was going to talk he about. He uses a stick. Yeah, that's true. He's one. Yes. Staff. That's what we call a. So segue. as Tristan pointed out, TMNT came two came out this. Yeah, Secret of the Years. This is um, my personal favorite. What was the Secret also, of the Years? I like this better than the original. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, Jeff hadn't gotten around to it because when we showed him the first one he was like i don't think i like this well no i okay listen it was not a part of my childhood mm -hmm. therefore i don't have the same connection to it yeah i watched the cartoon i love the cartoon and everything mm -hmm. like so obviously if i didn't see the first one when i was a kid i probably didn't see the sequel yeah no but um, it's so gritty and so good the original yeah, but the sequels were not gritty. However, I uh, this was a huge part of my childhood. There's videotape evidence of me losing my shit on Easter morning. Getting can you please splice that in? Yes, uh, if I can find it before I edit this in. Um, but I am like running around the room flipping out that oh, I got wow. the VHS of uh, TMNT 2. It's one of my favorite movies. I'm mad that you tease this, and we're not. We might not see this. What we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. I got a month. We to can reenact it. Uh, we do not have to reenact. <laughs> oh yes, we do. Oh my God, we need uh, to have historical reenactments of. Yeah, I remember it, so maybe I could. Um, yeah, me and like, like bunny ears flipping it. Um, but yeah, I brought up Donatello because he was my favorite turtle, and I thought, at least in this film, he got more to do with than he had in the first so i think that's part of why i liked it um but as i as we've gotten older i've grown to appreciate Raphael more and this has some of the best stuff he does when he trains um of course i lost the name because i'm bad with names but who's who's the kid that uh, oh ernie reyes, oh, ernie reyes Jr. plays i just forget the character's name um He's a pizza boy that befriends the turtles because they couldn't get April for some reason. Though so she's there, isn't she in the beginning? Yeah, she is. It's a different actress. Yeah, though. it's it went from Paige Turco to Which Paige Turco the second one. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm blanking. I'm sorry. We didn't do research for this one. No. Um, but he befriends Raphael more importantly, and they they go off on a journey to try and infiltrate the foot. And the scenes there where he like shows how he can be a ninja. He helps Ernie prove himself. It's really interesting ninja stuff, which they don't always go into in the other stuff. I thought the fight choreography was better in this too. Yeah, yeah, and um, they could. Shredder looks awesome. Yeah, I mean, even even Super Shredder, which is just kind of like a cheat code. That uh, is Kevin uh, Nash, by the way, awesome. the wrestler. Yeah, as Super Shredder. People say it's a cop out for um, how the movie ends. I don't want to go into it with. Uh, Jeff, but I thought that was a cool scene. Um, there's also a, a, an actor that we're going to cover later in the year. Uh, um, yes, I was hoping you were going to bring this up. Huge cameo. 
Um, I won't go into that exactly, but I love that scene. There's nothing wrong with the turtle. Did you like that song? Participating in the song, yeah, it's great. Um, and the interesting thing I wanted to point out too, a lot of people were upset because they couldn't get Bebop and Rocksteady and they were the like huge villains that everyone loved after the Shredder in the cartoon. And it was a no brainer to try and put them in the film, but they, for some reason, couldn't get the rights, even though like everyone was working around this franchise. So they made up new mutants. Everyone's always kind of annoyed at Toka and Razar for existing, but I'm like, just, this is something different. You don't always have to make it exactly like, like I never really got upset over that when I was a kid. Like I was just like, I just accepted it. Thank you. Yeah. Good. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of the fandom is like, Oh, Toko and Razar, not, not good enough. Yeah. Yeah. They're but not all, like, I feel like those are people who were like kids in the eighties while we were kids in the nineties. So yeah, that's true. like, like, yeah, no, whatever. Right. And then like the, the kids, some, like, the kids from the 80s are just like no we're like eh, just and that's that's part of it was like you know our for not necessarily turtles but like some of our our um like with the x-men shows and stuff my first exposure to it was not in the comic books but with the tv show yeah yeah and going back to it anyway so like it's you know i didn't know what was canon at the time it was yeah. just the, i mean these guys are kind of the Harley Quinn of the turtles uh, because they were made in something else and then later put into the comics. So there's nothing wrong with it. There's been new mutants in uh, later comics that came out in the last 10 years that are huge now in the turtles yeah. universe. I mean, like, hell, there's, there's nothing wrong with it. There, there's new, there's new stuff in like the newer like cartoons that come out every exactly. like four or five years. Yeah. I mean, Venus de Milo is popular among fans, even though that's the, the dumb next mutation live action show. There's nothing wrong with it. So I got uh, one question for you. Um, how'd you feel about the change in actresses for uh, for April? April? Yeah, well, as a kid, I didn't notice, so they did their job. Well, now um, I'm fine with it, I think they're both good. And um, see, I'm blanking on their names. What was it? Paige Turco is the newer one, Judith right? Hogue. Ju Judith Hogue. Actually, Paige. Judith Haig is the first, she comes back for the third, right? Or is it Paige? No, it's Paige for the next one, too. See, everyone still loves Judith, and um, I think they're both happy with what they did. I don't think they have any weird beef with each other. I don't know if there's like any conventions where they've come together as the two. They come to blows. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's also been recast in other things. Like obviously, Megan Fox is now has now been April, um, and there's Sarah Beller in the the animated movie. There's been different ones on the TV shows, so I don't think it's that big of a deal. Um, yeah. And I thought she did a pretty good job. And like I said, this is my favorite one of the three. So I think I like Paige more, technically. Mm. I her, like the original. Speaking to the third one, too, though, it's interesting because she has to have chemistry with uh, Elias Coteus right. because he was with Judith in the first one. I think he has better chemistry in the first one, but the stuff they do in the third is interesting to me. And that's what I liked about the third movie. So what? Yeah, I like the third. I like Stuart Wilson in the third movie. I gotta admit. Yeah, but I thought Elias Coteus was doing an interesting job. He also plays two characters, right. so there's that. But like, she has chemistry with him in rural Japan. So I think there's an interesting dynamic for him between the two Aprils. So 
at least in this, it's just like you're focusing more on Ernie Reyes anyway. So that's kind of why they have him come in. So you're not really noticing there's a different April. Right. So I like I like all three. So he's an apologist. What can I say? Yeah. Original all the way. Give me all the turtles. I mean, I, I don't like the Michael Bay movies. Turtles all the way down, man. I don't oh. know what they're doing with Shredder, but uh well, I mean. Michael Bay doesn't really know how to handle uh, franchises, I think. Yeah. Because, like, he did pretty decent with the first Transformers movie, and then uh, he kind of... In hindsight, walked. it's not that great. Yeah, I mean, it's I not great. It, 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 it was, it was, eh, it was all right. It did, it, it was for when it came out, but, like, the, as yeah, the movies, as more Transformer movies came out, I was just like, you're losing me, guy. You're losing me. Yeah. Well, you couldn't even, like, they didn't even look like Transformers at some point. It was literally just like, let's see how many particle effects we can cram into this one humanoid-looking... Yeah, pretty much. Well, yeah. like, I think in the original movie, like, for Optimus Prime's, like, transformation, they had, like, something like a thousand moving digital parts. Oh, yeah. Um, like, but, I was like, that's unnecessary. That's crazy. Like, they, they, did, they did better cg transformations on like beast wars back in like the mid 90s and they did uh they just it makes well, me I was, think I was fascinated on the fact that they had like each frame took three days to render it's mm, too much i mean that's the capability of the the rendering software yeah, I, in I 2006 think, so. i think when you do movies like that like it's just really studios trying to flex it's like look what we can do yeah it was like just guys it's, it it's, like... it's better now that it's like fine-tuning i think back to the wolf of wall street like the beach scene where he's he's got a crowd on the beach that's a sound stage and they made it like they had a house they're kind of like at it and then they have green screen they made it the beach just longer that's something you want to use this technology for you don't want to just right make mush turn into a robot yeah so that's the thing at some point there was i think it was the second transformers came out the same time is terminator salvation and there was literally a terminator trying to kill shia labeouf and then there were transformers in the terminator universe essentially the the robots were moving oh yeah i was like they just switched and they both lost the 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 prize mm. that's why so, and that's need, what happened with tmnt as well that's why you need to get a japanese <laughs> person to come in and do giant robot live action movies yeah because uh, uh, i feel like or there's a lot of del toro like we're dying to do this like giant robots are our thing right yeah. or guillermo del toro because pacific rim is a masterpiece i mean he his references were like the old giant robot animes from the 60s and uh 70s uh which is pretty much the same source material for like evangelion because like a lot of people are like oh you must have seen evangelion when you uh before you made a, a pacific rim and he's like nah they just happen to have the same source materials, like giant robot anime from like the 80s, 70s, 60s, like, and so on. Yep. So, yep, yep. well, we seem to be getting back. There's, on. One, there's one more movie to get to <laughs> yeah. before, yeah. We, get, yeah. before right. we go to Poster Boy. Um, yeah. As I alluded to earlier, Frank Whaley was in another movie this month um, mm. Career Opportunities which was written by John Hughes. Really? Which is weird because it almost feels like an adult, like a Arrested Development version of Home Alone. Mm. Frank Whaley plays a slacker who doesn't really have a job. He gets a job at Target, which must have gotten 
all types of synergistic advertising from this. Well, it was new at the time, so I think that's why they were doing it. Yeah. I think they um, needed something to have as the place he goes, and then it happened to be, oh, well, if they give us money, then we don't have to pay for anything. Yeah, I was going to say they film it like it's a shrine. But um, he goes there, and he gets stuck in there, and two criminals try to break in, and he has to thwart them. Mm-hmm. Um, but the uh, I think the thing that always stuck out in my mind, having not seen the movie until recently, it's it's an abominable movie. But really? I can see Tristan's gearing up for what I'm about to say. Uh, mm-hmm. Jennifer Conley in the film. Um, if you've seen any images of her on that coin-operated horse, I think you'll know. As you start to move. Yeah. Uh, I watched that in white, your living room. wearing a white tank top. I'm trying to sound salacious here. That's what the movie you get did. the bonk stick, Corey. Jesus. <laughs> did you just see this movie or did you watch it with me? Because I watched it there. Did you? Yeah, I was sitting in that chair, actually. Really? Yeah, I think it's one of the movies. I think, you know what? I think every time I would turn the movie on, it would be that scene. You were exhausted and I think went to bed early. And I'm like, I'm not tired. Let me watch something short. And I just found Netflix and was like, you know what? I'm trying to finish all of Jennifer Connelly's uh, filmography because she's one of my favorite actresses, The Rocketeer. So I turned that on. I was like, this is odd. Odd, huh? Yeah. yeah, she's gorgeous in the film. Um, that's the only thing worth watching it for. But anyway, on the poster. Oh. Yeah, let's uh let's you ready for this, Jeff? Never. Oh, you know, you're always ready, buddy. Always ready. You're born for this. Something. Yeah. I gotta give you permission. <clears throat> okay, I give you permission. I wish you blurred out the names. Try to guess. Oh yeah, I was gonna have you try to guess who they were at first, and I was like, "That's a lot." Yeah, no, I'm, it's okay. It's okay. All right, it's Jim Belushi again. Oh, yeah, God. right. <laughs> All That's right. That's a hint, actually. So we're looking at. It's a mostly white poster. Mm-hmm. It's a mostly oh, white oh, cast. Who? Oh my God! Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Two people in very cultish white robes standing, looking long, long into each other's eyes. Heaven's Gate call. Eyes. Right, exactly. Um, holding hands, standing in front of a billboard that looks like it's of some European country, or it doesn't look like Los Angeles. Maybe it's New York. I don't know. It's some city. Um, and that's it. They're they're standing in front of a billboard, and there's a catchphrase above it. There's the names and the, the title. Catchphrase that's blurred out right now, and the title, and a bunch of names, including Albert Brooks and Meryl Streep, as two people that I would not think would be in a romantic <laughs> entanglement in a film. And Rip Torn, uh, romantic Rip Torn entanglement. And Buck Henry. You know, it's funny. I'm reading Rip Torn. And I didn't read it as Rip Torn. I read it as Rest in Peace Torn. I'm like, oh my God, somebody died in this movie. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, wait, Rip Torn. And then they called it in the, in the... Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm it broken. Was, it's like an in memoriam, but on the poster. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Interesting. Uh, not much to work with, right? Uh, no. I'm, I'm going to 
So what, what should I do here? Should I guess what guess it's what? about for now? All right. And I'll give you the I'm guessing. I'm guessing it's it's two people who uh, fall in love in some city and they accidentally get roped into a cult. And it's just a, a love story against all all odds that happens to take place in like I don't know I'm I'm just describing every yeah. fucking movie. It's in the void that John Oliver lives. Yes, it's all <laughs> it's like a prequel to Bruce Almighty. It's like an Adam and Eve story, but you might be on to something there. LA. Yeah, well, I have I have heaven on movie. earth. I don't know if you yeah is that the title you're going with? Uh, we'll go with heaven on earth or hang on, hang on, hang on. Who I have no idea. Um, career opportunities. No, <laughs> <laughs> this is not. All right, bad. I can't remember which one I did first. Travel either. agents. <laughs> Travel agents. Uh, either the top catchphrase or there's a catchphrase on the actual billboard that I blurred out. You know, let's see which one I. Like something is away. minutes away. Is all I can see. Mm. It's not going. There we go. So the billboard has come to life now. Judgment City. Oh, it's two people that get hit by a bus and meet in the afterlife. Oh. I don't know. Turn left onto the Past Lives Parkway. Hmm. Hmm. Give some oh, stuff green. away. There's reincarnation involved. The title of the town is an important thing for, for the Judgment title. Judgment City, I thought I said. Yeah. That. Just minutes yeah. away. Yeah. You did say I just was uh, giving you another hint. So okay. I guess I don't know if that gives you any ideas about uh, what it's about. Uh, was I he mean, was he close with what he was saying? There's an, an afterlife um, or reincarnation. He's worried about getting hit by a bus. Oh, nice. Okay. Not in both of their cases, though. Okay. Mm. Well, let me give you the other catchphrase because this gives more of the plot away, but that's okay. The first true story of what happens after you die. Okay. All right. So there's afterlife. Mm -hmm. Why don't you... I think you can generally get what this is about. Um, I don't know if you want to take one last stab at that and then maybe one last stab at a title. I mean, I can't think of a title unless it's going to be like a pun, but I, I honestly think mm. that it's it's maybe two people that just they find their soulmate after both of them dies in some sort of tragic accident and they both have to get out of purgatory by uh, marrying each other. I don't know how that it's some sort of symbiotic soul thing hmm. they meet each other's past lives so there's like one one life from 1991 and another life from 1978 and they finally like they both died at different times but then met up in the afterlife and that's how i mean this is a good movie but i like the one that he's writing yeah that's where i'm like this is kind of what i wanted to do with poster boy a little bit you can come up with a better film sometimes <laughs> yeah uh, like and then title, I don't know. Well, Stray. what happens when you initially die? If you go to Judgment City? Going through the gates. 
going through the to- the phantom is this the phantom toll booth movie <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> that's not what that book's about no <laughs> i still gotta rewatch that movie it was a good i used to watch that that City, you need to like appease something Make all right yeah, i'll, I'll put you out of your misery mm. uh-huh. just hit me with the bus defending your life what a terrible title! <laughs> it, it, it makes sense in the context of the film. Yeah, what's, yeah, what's but... the actual plot? So the plot is that Albert Brooks is like uh, this middling ad executive. He dies. He goes to uh, judgment saying, but in order to uh, enter heaven, they present a court case <clears throat> with a uh, defending lawyer and a prosecuting lawyer on highlights from his life and whether he should be admitted into heaven or not. I oh, see. That's not bad either. Huh. Okay. I want to see and this while he's there, he meets um, Meryl Streep's character, and she's kind of very virtuous and altruistic, and she's done almost everything right. The great, there's a really funny scene where he goes to uh, her her um, her trial. They show a highlight from her life where she saves like a puppy and a baby from a burning <laughs> building, and the prosecuting attorney's like, um, "Can we just see that re- that clip back? I just really like watching that." <laughs> And Albert Brooks is like, I'm screwed. There's no way I can, I can top that. That's great. An afterlife courtroom romantic comedy. Yeah, that's actually yes. so funny. That's like, like my uh, cousin Vinny, but they're choice. dead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just came out on Criterion too. Oh, really? Really? Yeah. Albert okay. Brooks uh, wrote and directed it too. Oh, that's yeah. cool. Interesting. Yeah, sounds interesting. It's very um, lighthearted. But I, I have to admit, it's for what it is, it's just still a terrible title. Yeah. Like, I if, agree. If you're looking up the movie times in the newspaper in 1991 and you're like, let's go see this thing. It's called Defending Your Life. Like, you can't I, tell what that is. I, they probably could have uh, just gone with Judgment City. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think that would have been. You know, I wonder if there was. Honestly, the funny part, that's probably why it didn't do that well at the box office. Yeah. I'm, I'm wondering if there was an argument as they they titled it and they the guy who wanted judgment city got it on the poster to be like see see well see? then you have like albert brooks def- like and then someone in the pitch meeting was defending defending your life yeah <laughs> watch one like one or two of them are going to watch this podcast and they were like see see they know so pain then- guy who came up with the title I'm gonna hashtag defending your life so that they they, <laughs> they they always search for it. See if Past yeah. Lives Parkway is a good title too. Damn. It. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna hashtag Judgment City. Actually, that makes more sense. So I I kept us in this void uh, because I actually did do another poster boy. Mm-hmm. So let's see Price if you're paying boy. attention. Oh. Oh, that's right. Well, Corey was talking. Oh, we're getting two for one today. This yeah, I meant I mentioned that I was gonna oh. do this, Corey, but. I yeah, think it's right. just because there's there's an American version of the poster that's more iconic, and this is the original poster. So I thought this is very dynamic. Okay. I want to see if you were able to tell what it's about without, uh, you know, looking into it. It looks like an American remake of Vertigo. Hmm. By American remake, I mean Vertigo is already American, so you know. Remake. Um, it's a more patriotic it's, version. It's, <laughs> all right. So it looks it's clearly drawn in the style of like Edward Hopper or something. Um, it's a fairly well-lit 
alleyway like it's it's a you're you're in a top-down view over an intersection of like these cobblestone streets probably somewhere in brooklyn kind of a t intersection yeah i'd say a um, y and there's one person walking along the road uh in a really long shadow which means that the light is coming from in front of them um allegedly so that's the description and then everything else is just black um and the title is spelled out vertically on the side which is an interesting choice mm-hmm. uh, okay so it's only a six letter title right vertex i don't know uh can i buy an a yes there is an a v, oh, hey. i think no wouldn't you would Willow? Is this Willow? No, this isn't Willow. No, no, it's not Willow. <laughs> Wrong with you. What is she holding? Oh, that's a she? Also, yes, that's a one. Oh, what? I just gave it away. Oh, there you go. That that helps things. She has three arms. <laughs> that's Wait, a, that's her she? head. No. No, that's her head. And that's and then the shadow is not holding anything. I mean, but if you look at like the image of her, not the shadow, you could kind of see like there's this little dark thing like right, right. above her oh, head. That? Yeah. And uh, hands. I think that's that's a, a darker cobblestone. They fucked up. Oh, yeah. That's, it's like somebody should have fired that illustrator. Because you're looking at the shadow. Okay. Yeah, fuck him. All right. Well, anyway. The yeah, shadow just looks like she's us. holding her hands up. It looks like she's holding oh, her hands up. Like she's surrendering something. So, um, hmm. Okay. This was this was the experiment I wanted to do. I wanted to see if you were going to be able to tell what that was actually kind of up. Knowing what this film was, I'm like, okay, she's holding a gun. You know, she's going into action. So I'm going to show you who the director was at the bottom. So if you were if you were paying attention earlier, I wasn't. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. What does that say above his name? Directed by? I don't know. Uh, a film by, uh, I think. A film by Luc Besson. Yeah, what was his first big film that was able to cross over from France? Uh, no yeah. idea. <laughs> yeah, I'll just show you. I'm not good at this. This is uh, Nikita. Yeah. Nikita we were talking about that Wait, whole didn't franchise. Didn't a TV show of that? Were you not paying attention? Either? Wait, what? What's going on? I may have zoned out for two seconds. We talked oh about God. it for like three straight minutes. Listen, we talked when about you guys, when you guys we talked about the two movies. There's hey, a guys, remake. Guys, movie. guys, oh my guys, God! Guys. I work overnight. You gotta like. Let so me... do I. I'm gonna be honest. When when you guys get into the discussions of like other movies that came out, if I haven't seen it, I just research other stuff. Oh, that's fine. So I'm watching. No, I was Death trying to like continue. Talking. I, I was looking. Well, up. no, you, I I remember you guys saying it started oh. a franchise. I didn't like make that connection to the TV show. Like it just, I just remembered it just then. Mm-hmm. Well, now that I know there's going to be a pop quiz at the end, I'll pay more <laughs> attention. <laughs> just pulled a third grade teacher on me. <laughs> it's okay. I just well, I didn't expect Corey to talk about it beforehand because I said I was going to do a poster boy on it. So it was tentative though. I thought. Yeah, no, it's 
you know, it was an interesting way to. Well, clearly it didn't matter. He still didn't. He didn't even hear what the movie it was. Right. So I was like on the fly, kind of able to do a pop quiz. I didn't expect to quiz you. So don't worry. I wasn't out to get you. Okay. I mean, to be fair, uh, for what it's worth, I was trying to do more research on the Doors thing because I, I did not know um, if the Doors played Woodstock. They were offered Woodstock. They were offered Woodstock and they turned it down because they didn't like doing open air shows. They didn't also expect it to become the cultural cornerstone that it became. Like, okay, it's just a field in New York. That's what people thought of Woodstock. They didn't expect it to be Woodstock. Now it's synonymous with amazing shows. So, you know, they did that the last show we really see is them off in San Francisco. That's kind of open air where they were. Right. I think the Palladium, I'm not 100% on places. So, you know, it's kind of funny. Everyone thinks they're counterculture and ignored the biggest counterculture show of all time. But it's just, you know, kind of an accident that they weren't there. Oh, well. I was going to share my... Connection to Woodstock, but I Ooh, yeah. do it another. No, no, I want to know. No, so do go on. Uh, my uh, when I was in college, I took a forensic linguistics class. I was taught by someone who's like the forefront, like he's the pioneer of forensic linguistics as a field of study. Like he's worked for the FBI and stuff. Uh, this this man's name was Robert Leonard was he's still alive his name is robert leonard and he was one of the founding members of shanana oh yeah <laughs> open wait. for joplin at woodstock yeah wait shanana is the forefront of uh the forefather of linguistics yeah. uh-huh Weird. so rob leonard one of the guys <laughs> was was like one of the lead singers of shanana back That's in the 60s cool. is now teaching forensic linguistics in, on long island <laughs> so yeah. that's cool, guy, cool but it was just one of those weird scenarios i'm like oh okay now i have like a one degree connection to woodstock yeah it is interesting how um you find out people like that just happen to be teachers you know or professors particularly yeah. Doing doing the research on this, even I was looking at Oliver Stone because I was trying to make a connection. I thought he was in that group that includes like includes like Brian De Palma, uh, Lucas Spielberg, and Coppola because I thought the guy looked Stacey. like Oliver Stone. Yeah. Um, well, that's the thing. I was looking him up. He isn't friends with any of them. He just happens to be in the same age group. And when he went to NYU, he was actually taught for a class by Scorsese. Apparently, Scorsese's been a teacher. Hmm. So. You know, you never know. Like, just even for a year, some people take a job to. Yeah. Well, Scorsese. Pay the bills. Yeah. See, I know I, we would normally think of Scorsese as just like a film teacher, like a, a, an adjunct professor or something. But I'm, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm gonna imagine that he taught like math for a year or something. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like uh, the urban legend about how Ron Jeremy was a substitute teacher in our town for a while. Oh, I remember what? That. It's just because there was a guy that looked like Ron Jeremy. Oh, right, exactly. Well, no, and then you find out later that Ron Jeremy like has a teaching certificate, and we're like, wait, what? Could, could it, could it be? Yeah. Put the uh, integer, integer, no, this guy was just like a wack over here, okay? That sold that sold Bibles and like lived out of plastic bags. So I'm like, 
But then reading up around Jeremy, you're like, could it have been? He's weird enough. Who knows? Uh, another mystery for another day. Speaking of weird, I was going to ask you guys one of two options to do for our picks of the month. Uh, I figured the easiest thing would be favorite Val Kilmer film. So we could pick one of those. We can actually have two picks if you want. Mm. Whichever Batman he was in. The other, oh, the other one I was going to have was favorite <clears throat> biopic. So why don't we give our favorite Val Kilmer and then our favorite biopic, if you, if you can think off the top of your head. Mm. I mean, it's um, easy for me. I mean, I don't want to steal, but Tombstone. I yeah, I mean, Tombstone. for those of you that are seeing this visually, him pointing off screen was to the uh, his vinyl pop figurine of uh, Doc Holliday. This is yours. Oh, that was mine? Yeah. Oh, wow. I completely forgot. Yeah, no, yeah. this is mine. We both got two of the guys. This yeah. is the Sam Elliott character yeah. in Tombstone. But... Oh, wow. He looks extra pale on camera. Look at the eyes of Jaundice because of the alcohol. No, yeah, no. He looks extra, like, right here in the light. Yeah, look, he looks, look at him next to Sam Elliott. He's not but sickly. Like, yeah, yeah like, that's right. It's like, kind of, like, paler. Like, holy crap. Marlboro man. <laughs> oh, we're coming to that. All right, so I got, I got two then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got heat. Okay. And top secret. I'm actually surprised I haven't seen heat. And I know yeah. I would like heat. Gotta see it. It's funny. I, I read a fun fact about that. Uh, apparently, in the scene where he like falls off stage, stumbles off indoors. Yeah. He apparently broke an elbow, like his elbow or something. They had to um, take him out of the film for a little while. And uh, there's a bump, there's a growth like here. And you can visibly see it in heat. Like I guess his arms. That's are like really... four years later, too. I know it's just never healed. Uh, so. Uh, other than this movie, other than the doors, I'd have to go with. Honest to God, Batman. Don't say Forever. Batman Forever. No, oh, no, come on. I, I mean, real genius. Okay, okay. I love it forever, though. Yeah. Batman Forever is actually good. No, it's not. <laughs> this is just nostalgic for me. I know it's garbage. But oh, like yeah. It garbage. Exactly. Yeah. We know it's bad, but yeah. we don't know. It's a guilty pleasure. I've also, yeah. I've also seen, like, there's, there's been a very limited uh, selection of Bill Kilmer's filmography that I've seen. And that include that that was one of them. So, you know, that's yeah. what I remember. Um, you got to check out Top Secret. I'll take that. Top so Secret's great. Have Tombstone. Oh, yeah. Top Secret's real good. All right. So, Tombstone. If we all have to have a separate. So, one, Tombstone and The Island of Dr. Moreau. That's a fun movie. Oh, I love that movie. See, you can have guilty pleasures. Because, like, because, like, girl, as a kid, you see Val Kilmer, like, from, like, uh, well, I didn't see him in Tombstone yet, but, like, I saw him in uh, uh, Batman Forever, and I saw a little bit of The Saint. Because my dad had rented it. That sucks. Yeah, I like. I didn't think much of it because like oh, I wait. saw a little bit. I'm like, I'm done. But then Tristan's like, gonna I'm... get mad because I just thought of one that he should have yeah. had. Yeah. So, oh. but like seeing like Batman Forever and then Let seeing him in the Island of Doc Moreau is like just like wow, Bruce Wayne, you kind of got a little uh, uh, malevolent and kind of dark oh. there. Yeah. He knows yeah. what it is. There's the last. Oh. The last ditch chance of Val Kilmer's career when he and Robert Downey Jr. were coming back for exactly. kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Right. Mm -hmm. I still I like Top Secret a lot. Anyway, like there's right. 
even though he's had a weird career, I've liked everything I've seen of him. So the snowman. Yeah, I did not watch that. <laughs> he's dubbed the whole movie. Yeah. Um, and just just as an extra, I guess, uh, if if you want, we don't have to do this one, but the uh, biopics. I, I had already thought of this just going into the doors. I already know what my favorite biopic is. This for a while was, but I have two. Because I saw this pretty early. Um, but I, I love the Johnny Cash uh, biopic, Walk the Line. I think that's the um, I guess touchstone of what you want to do. Because this mm has flashbacks but it goes back and forth in a way that you feel like you're learning everything about him and it's an even tighter time than the doors you know yeah i credit that to joaquin phoenix like i think this that's his best performance in a career of incredible performances it's hard to narrow and reese witherspoon uh maybe her best performance she's been in a couple of great films as well but she actually won an oscar for this you know even um robert patrick as his father is incredible like a, a latter career choice for him that was is underrated for sure. So yeah. Can I give two? Mm-hmm. Um Ed Wood. Mm-hmm. I know your other one. Okay. Go ahead. Autofocus? Yeah, that's the other one. Yeah. That's you about like Bob Crane. I liked um well just thinking recently because I don't know. I love biopics, but most recently the ones that come to mind, Social Network and The Disaster Artist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, good one. I finally uh, just finished off the book you gave me. You gave me The Disaster Artist for Christmas one year, Jeff. The Greg Sestero book? And I think I think they did an incredible job in hindsight of making the film. Yeah. Because yeah. the book goes off in ways that are more interesting, I think, but to get it on film, again, in a tight concise way they got the best parts yeah not to mention they they did like a shot for shot remake of the movie yeah Yeah. i i can't really think of any biopics that i like off the top of my head so i'm just gonna go with the more recent one that i've seen Uh, i have one for you wait really throw it out there tombstone (laughs) that doesn't count that doesn't count. It's, it's not just Wyatt Earp stories. Yeah, so. it's not just Wyatt Earp story. But like, I'm going with uh, Freddie Mercury and uh, okay. uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, Bohemian Rhapsody. Like, about yeah. Earlier, yeah. yeah, that's the most recent right. one that I've seen that like sticks out of my, me- my my memory, and like I thoroughly enjoyed it. So I just, you see, Rocket Man. I don't remember the title, but it, like you know, of course, their biggest song. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, yeah, no, that's probably as of right now. Bohemian Rhapsody for me takes a similar course as the Doors, so that's interesting. So. But like, if, if like Doors was on the table, I would, I think, yeah, no, I would definitely go with Doors. Yeah, I, I just because that was a good movie. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Cool. Sorry, I'm just looking up a list of yeah. 100, um, like top 100 uh, biopics. Hmm. Before we go, I am curious to see if you have anything, sir. The Citizen Kane technically a biopic if it's about William Randolph Hearst. That's an interesting thing. I always am curious because I've I've looked into like I've thought about um, making films based on ideas that I had based on a, a person. So it's like, do you want to have a representation of that, like Citizen Kane, where it's not actually Hearst? Wait, wouldn't yeah. it be Mank though? 
That would be the better biopic. Well, it's like legitimately uh, about uh, the writer of Susan Kane, and it goes in a yeah. similar his actual way. name. So there's no pseudonym. Yeah. yeah. Although I do like Yank. That was a good was movie. Pretty good. Yeah. I, good. I, a lot of film Twitter didn't like it. Oh, they can eat it. Yeah. Whatever. Yes. I I don't consider something like Citizen Kane a biopic because it's a fictionalized version of that. Sure. But you could argue then that something like The Doors is fictional if that's not what really happened. I guess if you use the actual names in the movie, then it's... Oh, I know. I just thought of a great one. Uh, Star 80 is really good. Yeah. Oh, that's um, Fosse's version of his own life, right? Dorothy Stratton. Or of Dorothy Stratton. Did she direct? I, I don't know much about Star 80. Oh, okay. Yeah. Dorothy Stratton, the Playboy Playmate. Got oh. killed by uh, her boyfriend, played by Eric Roberts. But, but it's Bob Fosse. Okay. And actually, that should be my favorite biopic, uh, Fosse's own version oh, yeah. of himself. But that's kind of like a Citizen Kane. But again, his own names. Yeah. It's very clearly like, this is what my life is like. This is how I feel when I'm going to die. <laughs> so, that's his eight and a half. Yeah. So there is a thin line between that, I guess. What'd you find, Jeff? Nothing. I'm just looking. Um... I'm just reading the, the synopsis for First Man. Oh. <laughs> I also forgot about Frost Nixon, which I... Oh, Apollo 13. You're a big fan of it. See, it's weird. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of good things. See, is Apollo 13 really a biopic, or is it a... Because it's not about one guy? Yeah, First Man is about Neil Armstrong. Right. So... Ensemble you know, biopics are a little... Even though they show all the same stuff hurtful. that happens in the right stuff. Black First Man more of a biopic than... The right stuff, you know. I like either one. But yeah. I was I was also reading one, um, the one with Jason Siegel and uh, Jesse Eisenberg. Uh, Jason Siegel. Oh, um, end of the tour. Wallace. Yeah, the end of the tour. Hates that movie. Yeah, I like that. No? Yeah, well, yeah. If you hate it, that means I'll probably enjoy it a little bit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> My king of New York. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Milk. Uh, Milk's what? great. Milk's good. Hotel Rwanda. Oh, yeah, no, Hotel Rwanda is a good That's movie. A good mm -hmm. Don't say that Miles Davis one. No. I've heard Professor Marston and the Wonder Woman was good. Capote. fine. Madness of King George. Capote's great. Though I like um, Infamous better. I'm just skipping. I see Infamous. Argo. Go yeah, see, that's murky. That's murky. Yeah, see, they made stuff up. He's, it's he's, not just about Mendez. Yeah, and they make him look like the only person to save them. Argo, right. Moneyball. Moneyball's good. Yeah. Okay. Searching for Bobby Fisher, Funny Girl. Oh, we might cover this next year, Chaplin. Oh, yeah. No, oh, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, for a while, I saw Chaplin and Doors pretty close to each other back in the early 2000s, and uh, they they were pretty big up there. They're why I like biopics. And then Walk the Line came out. Miracle Worker, All the President's Men, Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah, there's a lot. You know, there's sure. Yeah, are one of my favorite genres. Because you get to see the real person, even if it's a little uh, 
shifty how true everything is. Well, it's a dramatization. Right. Well, also, like, long form wise, too, The Crown is probably the best one right now. Yeah. Love that show. Which is also by uh, Peter Morgan, who wrote Frost Nixon. Great movie. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we've we've covered biopics. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I hope uh, you enjoyed our discussion on the doors. If you uh, want to hear more, remember to subscribe to our uh, Spotify or iTunes or wherever you're listening to this, or our YouTube channel, so you can see our uh, beautiful shining faces every every month. Uh, We appreciate you that uh, like our uh, posts. And uh, hopefully, maybe if you want to comment, say anything, say something you know might be coming up. Even maybe we'll uh, we'll we'll pick it for uh, ninety two and beyond. Like if you have any suggestions for for something that might be a hidden gem. Um, but yeah, thanks for uh, breaking through to the other side with us this month. Oh, y'all light my fire. She's giggling at our bopping. Over.